This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. If... uh .co.uk. Complete Signs are a producer of top quality internal and external signs for an ever-expanding portfolio of clients, including hotels, schools, local authorities and small businesses across the nation. Offering a wide range of creative solutions from flat metal nameplates to neon fascia signs and everything in between. Clients are offered the highest standards in consultation and sales support to ensure complete customer satisfaction. With clients free to choose solutions from a wide variety of materials including brass, aluminium, stainless steel, wood and a number of plastics. Covering most of South England with virtual offices in Croydon, Epsom, Hawley, Worcester Park in Surrey, Crowthorne in Berkshire, Regent Street West London, Docklands East London and Crawley in Brighton in Sussex. So if you're looking for the complete professional service for your sign needs, then look no further than Complete Signs. Head to their website, completesigns.co.uk, for further information, including contact details and full office addresses. Live commentary. Uh, ball back with companion in the centre of the field. I hope he plays a long breaking pass. He doesn't. <laughs> it's found Dobby. Oh, again, he's tried to... Have you got a word for those short passes? Well, I've got a word for that short pass, but um, <laughs> I better not say it. Live interviews. Yeah, I think that's where we'll be for, for the foreseeable future. You know, we've got some interesting things there. And um, I think that redeveloping, redeveloping it bit by bit is probably going to be our best option. Expert analysis. All right then. John and the kids are dead on the motorway. Dead on the <laughs> Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Good evening and welcome to this week's Homestyle Radio. Usually at this point you'll be hearing the dulcet tones of Chris Hambling, but this week he's off for reasons he'd rather not disclose. That of course means that he's currently lying on the floor of his living room recovering from a mammoth hangover and he's got a well-earned week off. Taking his place this week is me, Ben Nagel, and I'm joined by some very capable presenters to discuss everything about yesterday's match against Manchester United. In a slight change to the original schedule, with me tonight I have Tony Piers. Hi everyone. I thought we had Joe Holyoke, but I don't think he's with us. Jelly there? He's not. Okay, we'll get back to that shortly. And in the contact hub, Tom Fancy. Hello. 
Now, if you don't want to get in touch with us this evening, we're 100% live eventually, and you can tweet, email, or even phone us up in the usual ways. We've got a lot to talk about, and there are a lot of contentious points to discuss, not only during the game, but also in the week leading up to it. Eric Cantona masks were banned by the club, although some chants were sung and the flags were still held up by sections of the away support. On the pitch, we lost 2-0, but I'll be asking if the final score reflected what the Eagles deserved, and we'll also discuss who played well and who had evening to forget under the lights at Sunselhurst. But first, to get us underway, here's a roundup of this week's going on at Crystal Palace with a live news in brief. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestale.net or call us on 0208 1234 Homestale Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Crystal Palace Football Club's cheerleading troupe, the Crystal Girls, are looking to expand their squad for the 2014-15 season. If, like Chris, you want to apply, you need to email crystals at cpfc.co.uk with your CV, if you have one, stating any experience you may have and a recent picture. A last-minute deflected strike from Jordan Gibbons saw 10-man Palace's under-21 side succumb to a cruel 2-1 defeat to Queen's Park Rangers at the KNK Stadium. Tickets for all of Crystal Palace's remaining home fixtures this season are now on sale. The Eagles are still to welcome Southampton, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Man City and Liverpool to Sellers Park. And you can secure your seat at those remaining games by booking now. The club's usual ticket purchasing policy will apply when getting your tickets. When you buy tickets to one of the A games, you'll have to buy the same number of tickets to a B game. Season ticket holders and members can buy two tickets per person for the A fixtures and as many as they like for the B ones. And finally, a uh, ticket for Palace's away trip to Swansea next week are on sale at the moment. If you buy an adult ticket, up to two under-16s can go for just £1, so make the most of the offer going to head down to South Wales. Uh, the tickets are priced at £35 for adults and seniors. Students under-16s can also get in for £17.50, and coach travel is being organised for the club at a cost of £30, with coach leaving Tullers Park at 10.15am. News in Brave. Homesdale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homesdale Radio and get in touch today. Right, welcome back to Homesdale Radio. Uh, it's obviously been a bit of a, a weird start to the show, already at 20 past 8 and we're only a couple of minutes in, but yeah, uh, welcome back and I'm still here, uh, joined by, well, it was going to be Tony, Jill and Tom, but we've got a, a slight, another change to the schedule and we've got Tony, Stuart and Tom and uh, we'll get straight into talking about yesterday's match. Um, first of all, hi Stuart, how you doing? Yeah, I'm alright, good to good to be on tonight. Good, um, well it's been a bit different to, to usual, not just because it's me doing this, but also because the game is on TV yesterday, most people have seen it, so whether it be live or at the ground, uh, live at the ground or Sky Sports, obviously. It's uh, Yeah, a lot of people have seen it. Manchester United are, of course, current champions, and although they're having a horrific season by their own standards, uh, it was always going to be a very tough game for us, I think. It's worth starting at the beginning, and we'll, we'll move through sort of in, in chronolo- chronological order. Uh, so we'll start, if I may, with the display from the Homestead Fanatics. Um, so let's go to, we'll go to Tony first. I mean, what were your original thoughts on it when you, when you got to the ground and, you know, and everything happened? I've always fantastic personally. Um, having sat with the Fanatics previously uh, a couple of years ago, 
they put a lot of time and effort into these sort of displays. Um, a lot of stuff goes on in the background. And um, I know the, um, the guys were there, I think, about nine o'clock in the morning to start setting up the display. And from what I saw from the TV when I got back home, it just looked absolutely fantastic. And I know I've started to do what Chris does and say fantastic a lot, so I'll try and stop. <laughs> fantastic. Okay, and Stuart, <laughs> your, your, your thoughts on that as well? Stuart, your thoughts on that? Yeah, sorry, just unmuting my microphone there, talking to myself <laughs> for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't at the ground. I watched it on, on TV, and right. uh, I, so I, I, it was a complete surprise to me when I saw it. I knew nothing of it, what was happening. And uh, when I saw it, I, I was actually watching with my brother, who's a Liverpool fan, and uh, he was he was pretty much in awe of what we'd done, as uh, as I was. And it was, uh, yeah, it was it was just an impressive display, and uh, so glad that all the cameras are there and the whole country could see it. To be honest, because that made me feel very proud indeed okay um yeah well, it was obviously a fantastic effort i mean so much time and, and money's gone into it as well um i don't know if everyone will know but sort of on the message boards and, and around they've been sort of asking for donations and people to to help them and, and be a part of it and one thing uh, i think it was tony mentioned earlier that they'd turned down money from the chairman uh, you know i think potentially it was offered to them and, and they turned it down said they wanted it to be a, a, you know a fans thing completely so tony you got any, any comments further on that no i think you've Covered them really, so okay, that's fine. No, um, we'll start with with uh, with you. We'll go back to you again, Tony. Overall, you know, we've seen a few homes of fanatics uh, displays over the years, um, and I think they've started getting sort of better and better. Yesterday, another two tier one. So much effort gone into it. Do you think that was their their best one so far? Um, I it was on par. I mean, I I really liked the one at the beginning of the season because um, I thought it was very cleverly coordinated to actually have the swirls in it. Um, but this one definitely was very, very impactful. I mean, having the um, slightly shiny cards to hold up really, really brought it out on the TV, I thought. Mm. Yeah, obviously, I didn't. I, I was at the ground, so I didn't see it. But Stuart, you say you were watching it at home. Did, did Sky Sports give much coverage to the display? Um, definitely. I mean, they. Um, I mean, it's the first thing that they showed uh, as soon as, um, as as the players were coming out the tunnel. And uh, I mean, and to be fair to Sky and 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 the BBC and and everyone that's covered us this season, I mean, they they you know we we, we complain about them how uh, sort of. Uh, they're quite negative about, you know, the team sometimes and, you know, we're, we're obviously favourites to go down. But whenever I've heard them talk about our fans, it's it's been um, it's been it's been completely positive. And uh, they were 100 percent positive about what we'd done yesterday and uh, just just said what a what a what a great set of fans. And and, and that went through right to the final whistle, really, because uh, the commentator continued to say, you know, despite the two nil defeat, the fans have just been immense and just continued singing nonstop. Mm, yeah, I think we're starting to get some really big recognition, you know, not, well, on the pitch more so as well, but, um, yeah, specifically fans, I mean, people throughout the season have been saying how, you know, how good the fans have been and, you know, hailed as the best by by quite a large number of people home and away, you know, even when we're losing on the pitch, our fans are, are very loud. Um, Tom, I'll come to you for for a couple of points, if you don't mind. What were your, your thoughts on the display? Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, being in the homestead myself, uh, I didn't get the full benefit of it at the time um but seeing some of the photos taken afterwards it, it was a uh, it was very impressive i mean you can tell the how they've grown with the hf the displays over the time i mean starting from just the pieces of card i think back in 2005 and six but to see something like that you know going across all the blocks and at the time it was taken to draw some of those artworks the team was just it was just incredible really really proud to see our club do something like that 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've spoken about it quite a few times on the show before, how the Homestyle Fanatics, you know, they, they started out tiny and they, you know, 10, 20 members, and then that's moved up to, to 30, 40, and then all the way up now to, you know, you've got the whole of Block B potentially, and, you know, it moves across B, C, and D all standing for the whole game. You know, it just seems to be getting bigger and better, and, you know, and I can't see it stopping anytime soon, to be honest. So, yeah, fantastic effort from them, and starting to get the uh, the plaudits that they deserve. We'll move on now slightly to uh, to the starting lineup, really. Um, and one big shock in that was was Glenn Murray on the, the starting lineup after a long absence. Out, obviously, got injured in the first leg of the playoffs last season. So, uh, first of all, come to you, Stuart. You know, was was it the right decision? Is he ready to to be starting again? Um, I think so. I mean, obviously the intention was to only, you know, he was brought up, brought off, I think, just after an hour. And I think that was always the intention, no matter how well he played or how fit he looked or anything like that. He was he was going to get an hour. And um, I think that, you know, he's obviously just, you know, bedding him in slowly and gradually. I mean, he is, you know, without doubt, our main striker. Um, he would have been from day one and he is now, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I don't think we can, you know missed the opportunity of, of getting some getting some match time from him and um, I was surprised that he started yesterday I thought he would be on the bench um, but yeah I, I mean obviously the intention was to give him the hour and I think he did well considering I mean he's you know he's never played in the premiership before he's been out for you know ten, nine, ten months and um, I mean you know he did what he did as well as could be expected under the circumstances and uh, I think I think he's going to be um, he, he's going to be a massive positive for us for the running for the uh, the end of the season um, and personally I'd like to see him and Gale up front together but I don't think that's going to happen this season but um, yeah but I'm yeah I'm all for for what Pulis is doing and, and getting him going okay well yeah it's a massive lift for the team as well you know the fans seeing him back on the pitch it just boosts everything so yeah I thought you know, really really nice to see him back on the pitch um, Tony, I'll move over to you. Were you expecting to, to see him start? Was it a bit of a surprise, second game back? It was a little bit of a surprise for me. I mean, Glenn's one of my favourite players. Um, he was all the last season. And, um, you know, when he came back um, for the West Brom match, um, I was just as excited as everyone else was. I thought it was brilliant. You know, I was bouncing around. He's back, he's back, he's brilliant. And when I saw he was starting, there was a massive lift. I mean, in the homestead, uh, we were all singing Glenn Murray uh, even before the match had started. And it just shows what he means to the club as a whole and um, to have him start it was brilliant he's, he's very important to the team and I think he slotted in very well I mean the one thing that he brings is um, directness at goal and he's, his his ability to bring in the midfield as well um, you know a lot of his knockdowns or passes really brought in the midfield and made this look much more like an attacking unit um, almost like the missing piece of the puzzle um, you know, we'll wait and see. I think it's going to develop more and more. I mean, he's going to get back to match fitness. I mean, he's he's almost there, but he's he's not quite. Um, he obviously needs to hopefully get his first goal, and I think hopefully there's a start of good things from there. Okay, and Tom, I'll come to you, back to you again uh, for a few. Well, first of all, I'll, I'll ask you about Glenn Murray and, and how well you think he played, and then we'll we'll read a few tweets out about the display about our last point. Yeah, I mean, I think Clinton did as well as can be expected for someone. I mean, the the injuries come back from and the time frame he has come back from it is is pretty remarkable, really. Um, I mean, a lot of players that that can be career ending. Um, so I was just glad to see him play a prolonged period of time on the pitch. Really, um, yeah, he played quite well. He was doing what we used to see him see him do, you know, winning the balls, getting into intelligent positions. Um, yeah, I think I think overall it, it was it was a good performance. Okay, and you got any tweets for us then about the display? 
Yeah, we've got a few tweets and messages in. As always, you can contact us on uh, at Whole Radio on Twitter or on the chat Holmes Radio chat room. Uh, we've had the Eagles speak saying that he thought the display yesterday from the HF was amazing, and they've done themselves and the club proud. Oh, an amazing amount of talent from the people to put it together. Uh, Lions fifty five in the chat said the display was great, but in personally, he preferred uh, the the saw one and uh, much better than display than some of the club sponsored ones like Arsenal and Man City have had. Uh, Barbara Paul says she's been watching the game back. Uh, yesterday and that Sales Park looks like a proper football stadium and uh, finally Rob CPFC just said it was great pure and simple <laughs> exactly yeah I think that's one thing that you can tell you know looking specifically at the Arsenal one the other day before their Champions League game they had everyone holding up red and white cars and you can just see there's nothing like there's no fan input behind that it's obvious that the club have put cards on on the seat trying to create an atmosphere at the Emirates which is uh, well they failed in doing so uh, uh, so far this season I don't think it's going to get any better later in the season but yeah I mean one thing the Eagles speak mentioned there about you know the time and effort that's gone into it as well and, and the talent behind it because it's not easy to, to specifically the players in the middle of that that display yesterday you know and they've got the, the the outlines I saw a video black and white video that some people might have seen on YouTube today um, of them painting it in this in this big room and it must take so much time and, and quite artistically skilled as well to, to be able to do that um, go back to, to Glenn Murray just a little bit more a couple of questions on that and then we'll, we'll go to a little feature um, so Stuart I'll come, I'll come back to you um, I know it's quite early to call um, but from what you've seen in the last 20, min- last 20 minutes of West Brom and then in yesterday's game do you think the, uh, the Glenn Murray of old will be back do you think he'll be able to make as big an impact in the Premier League as he did in the Championship um, I think it's going to be tough certainly this season um, you know clearly he's, you know, he's got to get a lot of fitness back um, and he's, you know, he's got to get up to to the standard of the Premiership pretty quickly, you know, there's going to be no, you know, sort of bedding in time, um, which, you know, some players have um, obviously had. Um, he, he's there for the run-in. Um, I hope, you know, I sincerely hope he'd be able to knock at, you know, maybe two or three goals in. But I think, you know, if we manage to stay up, I think he, he will be essential for us next season. I think he will be a key ingredient for the club to progress. But, you know, as for this season, I th- you know, I think to ask to, 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 for him to have the same impact uh, for us as he did last season. Okay, and then Tony, same question to you really. Do you think Glenn Murray can be as good as he was? Well, it's going to take time um, and it's a different league, so we, we don't know. He could, he could be, you know, he's, he looks pretty fit having come back. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he slots in, as I said earlier, he slots into the team quite well. Um, I think he thrives on service and now we've got, you know, someone like Tom Ince in the team as well who's, who's gonna, he's got a good delivery. Hopefully we'll see. I mean, I, you, when I looked, at, I mean, I only managed to catch the first sort of five minutes of it before um, the on the TV show, and because um, I had it recorded, and you, even his first attack, you saw the ball came, got whipped in, and he was, you know, holding Smalling off, and, and nearly got something away, and we got a corner from it. Um, so even just from the start, he he made a big impact from there, which you know we haven't seen a lot of this season so far. Okay, yeah. And that's one thing as well I wanted to mention, the, the Shamak and Murray partnership. Obviously, to this point, we've we've seen one or the other, really, because when Murray came on, I think he came, came on for Shamak in the last game. And until this point, Shamak has been the main striker, and last season, Murray was the main striker. But yesterday was the first time that we'd seen them together. So do you think that, that they can be... Uh, I'll, I'll come to you, Stuart, on this one. Do you think that they can be you know, a partnership up top, you know, like, like the other Premier League clubs have got? 
Um, I mean, as I said earlier, I mean, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd really love to see Murray and Gale get a run together. Um, I think, you know, Murray and Shamak, uh, you know, maybe a little bit too similar to be to play together. I mean, you know, I'm not a manager, and I don't know, I don't see them in training, and, and maybe they're, you know, they're a perfect combination at this stage. But, um, it, my, my own mind, I, you know, as much as I like Shamak, and I think he's, he, you know, he's been a great buy for us this season. Um, I think with 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 Murray's, you know. Uh, hold up play and 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 deft flicks and things like that and with Gale's pace and flair I think they could you know could cause a few defenses um a problem this season and um, but as I say that's just my my personal opinion and um, I, I dare say that you know it's likely that we're you know we'll see Murray and Shamak together rather than Murray and Gale this season but um mm. w- we'll see but yeah I mean that you know I, I you know it's it's just great to have him back whoever he's going to be playing with and and to see what he can do he okay. combines very well with Tom Ince. I've noticed that. Mm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Right, we'll uh, we'll go back to Tom in the contact hub for some more tweets. Yeah, uh, Paul Eckel jumping in on that point about the starting eleven said he felt that Murray would be better suited playing with Ince rather than Schumack, and that by playing all three, we were left exposed defensively. Um, just going on Murray's performance and playing him in general, uh, we had Lyons five fifty in the chat saying he thought Murray was confident to grown considerably since his twenty minutes versus West Brom. Uh, Bob the Eagle also thought they'd start Murray over Cam Jam every week, even if he was in a wheelchair. And uh, uh, Paul Ashby said he, on the other side, flip side, said he'd uh, he wouldn't have started him. He would have gone for Shamak on his own with KG or Bannon in a three-man midfield and brought Murray on later. And uh, Webbo seems to think that uh, Murray was average and spent by half time. Very interesting. Okay, right. We'll take a take a short break from from all the Murray chat. Thank you all very much for for your contact. Um, obviously, keep those coming in at at Whole Radio on Twitter. Um, we're in the chat room as well, so you can get in contact with us lots of ways. Uh, but from now. We'll uh, we'll take a short break from that. Um, we all know that Albert loves a tackle from behind, so uh, here's the second edition of his little feature. All right, my name's Albert, and this is my tackle from behind. In a week that saw gravity claim several BAFTAs and yet more Winter Olympians, football returned to Sellers Park in the guise of David Moyes' Man United in the day's late kickoff. Could Palace launch another astronomical defensive display in front of the sky cameras? Could Ashley Young defy gravity by staying on his feet? Or would Palace re-enter the volatile atmosphere that is the relegation dogfight? Well, unfortunately for us, and much like Whitney in a hot bath, Houston, we had a problem. The match was preceded with a fantastic display organised by the Noir Ultra of Drum Brigade, the HF. I was fortunate enough to witness this in all its glory, as for the first time I sat in the main stand instead of the Holmesdale. But my word, that stand is in serious need of updating. It's so old that I half expected Wayne Rooney to launch himself Cantonar style in an attempt to fuck it. Credit to him though, it's only when you see Rooney live that you get to truly appreciate how hard he works all over the pitch. And clearly, some over-generous chaps in Blockley agreed with this very sentiment and tried to financially reward Bradley for his efforts with a variety of coins. Something quite ironic in that considering he's just signed a 300 grand a week deal. Into Milan bound, Emmanuel Vidic seemed far more interested in getting into Glenn Murray. And Maran Fellaini demonstrated that not having a good first touch doesn't really matter as long as you can have two mediocre ones. Unfortunately for us, Palace seemed all too happy to give those to him. Disappointingly, we didn't get to say hello to our old turf sniffing friend Ashley Young. Not even for a touchline warmer. It's probably for the best though, as he'd only have tripped himself over, landed in the crowd and incited a riot. Or worse, won a penalty. All in all, we huffed and puffed, but just couldn't find a way through. Nobody played particularly badly, they were just better than us, and handing them a penalty was always going to result in a loss. At least it was a penalty this time, though. 
Anyway, as for my tackle from behind, I'm going to reluctantly and probably quite controversially award that to Marouane Shamak. Despite his great running and hold-up play in the final third, I think we probably could have held out for a draw. Going a goal down meant we had to press more, which left us much more vulnerable to the counter-attack, which Man United executed perfectly for their second goal, much to the delight of my wife. Anyway, if you've got someone you'd like to nominate for a tackle from behind, feel free to get in touch with the show. But until next time, see you later. Okay, welcome back. Now, I should just say that the uh, the views of Albert Curley aren't necessarily the views uh, that are taken by Homestale Radio, and uh, mm-hmm. any libel uh, questions should be directed to him rather than us. We'll move swiftly on from that, and we'll, we'll start talking about the, the starting lineup in general. Um, first question, broad question, and I'll come straight to you, Stuart, is was that the strongest starting lineup we've had so far this season? Um, yes, I think so. Um... Just, just trying to go over it in my head actually at the moment, but um, yeah, I mean there, there isn't anyone that played yesterday that I, you know, I'd had have have any problem in the starting eleven. Um, bit surprised Jerome was back on the bench to be honest. Um, after his, I, 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 I presumed he'd been dropped for the two for the two matches previously, but um, obviously just been injured. But um, um, yeah, apart from maybe the bench, I thought could have been a little bit different. I thought that the starting eleven was was great. Um, I mean, and to be honest, I mean, I was. T- I know it's Manchester United, and I know they're the champions, and you know that you know they've got the you know great characteristics about them. But um, obviously they've they've had a difficult season. I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't just just go at them uh, yesterday. Um, you know, I honestly thought they were there for the taking, and we could get at least a point out of them. Um, and I thought we you know we we maybe showed them a bit too much respect in the end. Um, and and you know two you know obviously we gave away the penalty which was a you know ridiculous challenge by Schmack to be honest and then you know a touch of class and Rooney just killed the game um, so I was a little bit disappointed we didn't treat it like it was a game against you know a Stoke or an Aston Villa or a, a whole city I, I know that would possibly could have opened up to a you know to a drubbing but I think if we'd had a you know had a go at them I think that they were there for the taking yesterday. Okay, I'll just go through the, the starting lineup just quickly now and then we'll come straight over to Tony for some more views. So we had Sproni in goal, Ward right back, Parr left back, and then Dan and Delaney in that centre back partnership. Jack and Nelly play just in front of for the first time in, in, in his position. Uh, and then we had Ince and Punchin on, on each wing, and then Murray, well, Shamak and Murray up top. So, yeah, Tony, what are your thoughts on, on that then? I'm going to make one very quick point that I found interesting about the scoreline. Have you noticed that the um, score was the same as the Old Trafford one with the same scorers in the same order and a penalty starting? <laughs> I hadn't actually noticed that. That's a very good point. Yeah, um, yeah no, that's yeah, annoying. But yeah. <laughs> I think the, the lineup, you know, the fact that we can say this is our strongest lineup, and a lot of people I've spoken to have said that they do believe this is our strongest lineup, I think it's fantastic. I'm going to use that word because I genuinely think I want to use that word. <laughs> But, you know, the fact is we've, we've, been, we've been going through this season thinking, oh, oh, you know, we need to stay ahead of the bottom three. You know, we need to pick up points. We need to do this. We need to do that. And now we're in a position where we're looking a lot stronger and therefore going into the sort of the home stretch of the last um, back end of the season, we've now got our strongest lineup available to actually put forwards. And that, that's, that's very exciting, I think. Um, and the fact that we've got, you know, the, the harder games that we've got against the likes of Chelsea, Man City are going to be at home and the, you know, inverted commas, easier games are away. 
um, it means that yeah, we've got a great chance of staying up. And you know, with this lineup that we had, I think it, it complements every every player complements each other. Um, one point I was going to make about what Stuart said about Cameron Jerome being on the bench. I'd like to ask him who he thought get a replacement for him on the bench, thinking that you, you know, we've got Shamak and Murray um, up front who, are, you know, yes, are quite similar players. You need to replace one of them because we know that Murray, you know, isn't necessarily going to last a full 90 minutes at the moment. Who can you replace him with that's going to ha- hold the ball up like he does? Mm, yeah, that is a very good point. I think Stuart might be away from him, so he's actually going to be able to answer your question at the moment, but we'll, uh, we'll move I'll on. I'll take you that can... as a one nil to me. No, I'm back, I'm back. Oh, okay. <laughs> What, what was the question? Just the question, no? I said, I said, um, you, you mentioned about have, um, leaving Cameron Jerome out of the squad and not being on the bench. And I said, yep. well, we've got both our hold-up players in Shamak and Murray on the pitch. So Murray's not going to last a whole match at the moment because he's only just come back. So you need someone like Jerome, who's a lot, you know, a big centre forward. Um, to be able to come off the bench if you need to replace someone like Murray or Shamak, and we know he runs the channels well. I mean, he nearly got a goal with, with his first touch. Yeah, who would you been. have? Who would you have instead of him on the bench? Um, um, yeah, okay. Uh, point taken. I'm not one of those people who's actually, who, you know, who actually goes around berating Cameron Jerome. I don't, I don't think he's, you know, he's that bad a player for us. I think. You know, he's done what he can for us. I think he's worked hard. Um, I, you know, I don't. I, you know, there's a lot of people who think he's, you know, done very little for us, and I, I don't think that's right at all. I just, I just, you know, for me, I think there was maybe a better, better option. I mean, I, I would always prefer Dwight Gale to come on ahead of Cameron Jerome. I know they're slightly different players, but you know, I, I, I think if if Murray or Schmack isn't working for us, I think you go with something different, and that is something different. Gale offers a bit of flair, a bit of pace. Um, completely different to Shamak and uh, Murray, and whereas Jerome is maybe a little bit similar to to um, to, to, to Murray and Shamak, so you know, I just I I'd just rather have seen Gale come on first ahead of ahead of Jerome. Yeah, no, I think I'd agree with that point actually. I'd agree you know, as well. Yeah, but I still have him on the bench. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I'll go with that as well. <laughs> well, Cameron Jerome, it's, it's that old point of you know he's he's only on loan. Is he? really interested in, in what Palace are, are doing and you could make that point again of Tom Ince, but obviously potential that we'll, we'll sign him at the end of the season whereas I don't think with Jerome that that will happen I don't think there's any sort of intention uh, for, for Cameron Jerome to stay on longer he had that the problems with Tony Pulis before I'm not saying that, that that's uh, making any sort of difference now but I don't think Tony Pulis would be particularly interested in keeping Cameron Jerome at the end of the season because we've got two players as you say that, that play in a similar way to him in, in Chamak and Murray so do you think that's a fair point Tony? Yeah, definitely. I think um, Jerome Jerome was brought in to do a job while arguably Murray was injured. We didn't know whether when Murray would come back or how long it was going to be. You know, it's great that he's come back now, but you know, if he'd taken another month or two, you know, then then we we were going to need someone like Jerome. And I think Jerome and Shamak did work quite well together when um, when they first started getting together and um, playing off each other. Um, Jerome, we've said it before, he, he runs the channels very well. He just offers very little in, in actually putting the ball in the back of the net. Uh, I do agree that you know, Dwight Gale does offer us that. Um, and I, I, th- I think I agree. I think by, by the end of the season, hopefully if we're staying up, I think Jerome will, will go back to Stoke and we'll end up with Glenn Murray and Shamak as our main strikers with, with Gale coming in when, when we need a bit of extra pace. Mm, yeah, and I like that Gale offers something completely different as well. You know, he's not going to come on and do exactly the same job. He's he's got pace. He's got a shot on him, and yeah, he does. He does a different job. So, 
We'll move on slightly from that um, to a different position in the starting lineup, and that's uh, the central defensive midfield position. So for the first time, we saw Jednak and Ledley there together. Ledley obviously played his first game at left back, and now he's been moved into his rightful position. So, start with you, Stuart. How do you think Joe Ledley played? Um, it's it's a tough one, really, because you know we're we're up against you know we're up against the Manchester United, and um, you know they. Despite you know their the, their problems this season, they do have they have quality players all over the pitch, um, and I I think it's unfair to you know particularly for you know it's Joe Ledley it's his first game in that position for us, and I think it's it's wrong to to, to judge how good or how bad he may be on on that on that particular um, occasion. I think he I think he he did all right. Um, I don't think he was anywhere near as good as he was against West Brom, even though he was in an unrecognised position um, uh, against West Brom. Um, But I I mean, in terms, I mean, in terms of what that pairing has to offer, Jedinak and Ledley, I'm, you know, I'm absolutely over the moon with that. I think that 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 probably could be the pairing that could save us and keep us up this season. Uh, Nothing to do with the defence, nothing to do with the forward line. I think that's still in the middle of the pitch that, you know, just battles all the way through for 90 minutes, um, you know, against the lesser teams will actually, you know, will, will get us some points that maybe we, we wouldn't have had, wouldn't have had without Ledley. But I mean, in terms of Jedinak yesterday, I mean, I was, I was, I, I was a little bit disappointed. I, it, to me, it sounded, it looked like he'd been sent out and told uh, every opportunity, just give away <laughs> a free, give away a free kick. I mean, how he got through the ninety minutes without a booking yesterday, I don't know, because <laughs> um, he did he did very little for me yesterday, other than other than, than persistent fouling. Um, I disagree. Really? Okay, go on. I think I think he made a lot of good interceptions and he broke up the play fantastically. Right. Okay. I mean, with that, I mean that's what I think he does all season. I mean, maybe you know we obviously saw something completely different there yesterday, but I, to me, I just, I just, I just saw him. All he did was, if, if a United player had the ball, was just you know go in there as hard as possible, try and knock him off the ball, and if you get away with it, brilliant. If you don't, it's a free kick. Um, but you no, know, um, that's just one game. For the, you know, for the for the other twenty odd games that he's played this season, he you know he's been absolutely fantastic in my eyes, and you know he he's the first name on the team sheet for me every every for every game. But yesterday, I was you know obviously I saw something a little bit different to you, Anthony. But um, you know, I thought he was slightly dis- disappointing. Yeah, well, Jednak in the last few weeks has been a player that a lot of people have been talking about because of you know some misplaced passes and things like that. But as you say. From the start of the season, he's been the first name on the team sheet. Uh, well, I was going to say after Julian Speroni, but yeah, that's uh, that's for for debate. But yeah, I mean, there's been people saying that he needs a rest. So Tony, I come to you. Do you think that that is an option? Do you think we should be resting our captain for a game? Potentially. I mean, the thing the thing is, who would you bring in? The people you've got to bring in, you've got KG, potentially Stuart O'Keefe as well, Guardiola, Guardiola as well. Yeah, um, I think. Although I think Guardiola is going off on loan, isn't he? I've heard. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard about that. Um, I mean, Stuart O'Keefe's a great player, but he needs someone experienced next to him, in my opinion. He's he's yeah. he needs he needs that. Um, and I don't think Ledley is is bedded in enough to to give him that what he needs, if you like. Um, and KG versus Jedi. I mean, I think if you ask most Palace fans, they'll tell you that if it was a straight choice between Jedi or KG they'd pick Jedi so I think yeah, I, don't, uh, I don't think it's majority I think that'd be 100% of Palace fans would be picking Jedi I mean I, I mean looking yeah, at that as well you're, bring in, we? yeah exactly we talked earlier about 
that Ledley's performance. And when you're comparing Joe Ledley to Kagisho Dikajoy, there's only one one answer there as well. And I think I agree with what Stuart was saying earlier about that that partnership in the middle being potentially what keeps us up because Jednak and Ali is, is mouth-watering in there at, at points and yeah, I do think that, that they've got a big future ahead of them in there. We'll uh, we'll move slightly further up the pitch um, to, to that sort of midfield and, and Shamak playing in just behind Murrow. We've spoken a bit, bit, bit about that but Tom Ince being moved out to the wing was a, was another thing, dropping Balassi. So Tom, I'm going to come to you first. Do you think it was harsh to drop Balassi? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's been giving it all in the games he's played. I mean, obviously the injury at the start of the season, so he's probably not up to the fitness you'd expect with a full pre-season behind him. Um, but, I mean, when you've got a player like Tom Ince who you've signed on a loan deal, if we've got him that many games, we've got to play him. And we know what he's capable of. We saw it last year in the Championship. Uh, voted the best player in the league. Over- Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Wilfred Zaha, so we've got to use what we've got, really. Uh, sad, but I think, yeah, that's the way it is. I mean, Punchin's been on good form recently. Until one of them drops, I think Balassi's got to wait his time. OK, Stuart, would you agree with that? Do you think that... You've got to drop Balassi if you've got Ince and Punching available. Um, my personal choice would I would you know if you know I, I guess Ince is the main the main man now for the rest of the season with regards to you know trickery on the wings and my personal opinion would be I would go with Balassi over Punching to be honest. Um, I prefer Balassi. Um, you know he's he can be a bit frustrating sometimes with that you know with that final ball. Um, or you know, not passing at the right time, or not crossing at the right time, and sort of, you know, he loves a shot. One of those is going to go in eventually. You never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, my my personal choice would be you know, um, Balassio ahead of Punchin. But I'm unsure where best to play Ince at the moment. You know, is, is he best up front? Is he best behind the strikers? Is he best on the wings? You know, these are. You know, these are all interesting things. I think we're going to find out over the course of the season. So it may well be we have all three of them on the pitch at one, po- you know, at one stage. Yeah, that's, it's a good point actually. Um, and I think we'd like to get a few tweets in on that. So if tweet at Whole Radio if you've got any any tweets on on the sort of Balassi versus Punch and versus Ince debate. Um, I'm going to come to you, Tony, if you don't mind, uh, on that same question. Really, just just to finish that off, who would you have started in there? It's a difficult one, definitely. I really like Balassi. Um, he he geez the crowd up quite well, which I like, um, and he's he's an exciting player on the ball. I mean, he was fighting for everything when he came on, and um, you know he made um, who was he against? It was Ever, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. No, it's Smalling. Smalling. Oh, sorry. He made he made him he made him look silly a lot of the time, but 
in the same respect, the problem we had with Belassi on that wing is that Belassi is not as good defensively as the as um, Punchin is, and Smalling did get the better of him in the other direction. Uh, so I think that Belas- uh, Punchin now that he's he's putting in the effort and he's he's working um, is better defensively. And you know if we if we are going to be a team that's going to absorb pressure and counter, we need to make sure we can absorb that pressure and we haven't got any weakness in the defence and. Um, that, that's my opinion from it. I mean, Ince has to play. You know, we, we didn't sign, you know, I mean, uh, I don't want to sound like Gel, but we didn't sign this million pound gamble to to leave him on the bench. He's got to play. Um, therefore, you know, you're, you're, it's a toss up between Belassi and Punchin. And I think Punchin gives more defensively and, um, you know, potentially he's got more effort. Although I did notice yesterday, Belassi did have a long shot and it actually was on target. It didn't go over for once, which was, which was great. It's rare, yeah, rare as well, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Usually um, you sort of uh, see him wind up to shoot and you think this is going into the back of the stand. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if you're looking for excitement, then, then Balassi and Ince is the way to go. But I think Punchin, especially, you know, he's, he's been scoring, not the last couple of weeks, but before that, you know, he scored a few home games in a row. So you can't drop a player who, who's on form like that. But now, if I was Tony Pulis, I probably would have started the, the same 11 that he did yesterday. Right, we're going to go back to Tom for a few tweets, not specifically on that, but just on uh, all the things we've we've talked about so far, just to round things up. Yes, so um, we've had a tweet here from Paul in the chat room, talking about Joe Ledley in his position. He says he thinks he's more creative than Ward, but he's more reliable than Parr defensively, so we would rather see him at left back. Um, talking on the style of Ledley in general, we had another comment in the chat room that uh, they think a few of the players need a break. Uh, started to look tired. Punchin looked weak in the last 20 minutes and started to make some wrong decisions. Um, we had a sort of one of our a, a very sort uh, where we go. Sorry about this. Um, yeah, so we had one of our listeners, Chris Hambling. Uh, I don't know who he is. Uh, go in and say that only if Punchin is on form should he be playing. Yesterday was not so. Balassi is a better option in his opinion. Um, and Rob Bailey has already said on Twitter that maybe we should give Murray and Glenn. Sorry, Murray and Gale are run together. Uh, Gale needs more than 10, 15 minutes, and the lad can strike a ball. Remember, Villa away. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, thank you again for all your tweets, and that's at Whole Radio. If you want to get in contact with us, we'll uh, obviously keep coming back to Tom and, and reading some of those out. We'll move on now to the first goal, which unfortunately was was a penalty and, and a tackle from Shamak that was, was deemed to be a foul inside the area. So, first of all, I'll go around one by one. Are we agreed that it was a penalty? Stuart? Uh, yes, sadly. Okay, Tony? Yes, but only just. Okay, and Tom? 100% a penalty, seem foul to give away. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, so we all agree. No, if it was at the other end, though, it would have been a free kick outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, so yeah, we, we're all agreed that it was a penalty. I mean, Shamak shouldn't have tried to make that tackle in the first place, you know, in my opinion. You either, well, especially not with his left foot, if you if you're in that position... He looked like he was going to get to the ball first, and if he didn't, he should at least have stayed on his feet or tried to make the tackle with his right foot. You know, natural instinct should tell you that, but he's gone in with his left foot and he's he's caught the man. I think it was just inside the area, but yeah, like you said, it was very very tight. I was sitting down down that end, uh, you know, just kind of side on in the main stand to that to that penalty area, and straight away everyone around me agreed it was a penalty. It was a silly decision to try and make that tackle. It just looked awful, really. Um, it looked a bit awkward and yeah, disappointing. And it was a fantastic penalty from from Robin van Persie in the end. And when you get a player of that quality in front of the goal, you know, uh, you know, taking a penalty, then it's ninety nine percent of the time it's going to go in. So, yeah, so how to do it at that end? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, 
Any any more points from anybody to make on on the penalty? No. Good. We, okay. I'll, I'll make a quick one. Yeah, go on. Um, I I maybe I got the wrong end of the um stigma. I've I've only seen it once or twice on replay. Um, and that was um last night. But did did it did he he didn't actually it wasn't actually a proper like it wasn't like a sliding tackle obviously or anything like that. It it, it seemed to me like a bit of a sort of coming together. Shamet was running back to try and get him and just caught him basically as he was running past it was you know their paths crossed and and has mm-hmm. gone over uh would you say is that like it wasn't intentional or do you think he definitely went in to go for a tackle and it was just a stupid place to do it well it's definitely a stupid place to do it i think he was just trying to nick the ball and it didn't help that ever had gone down like he'd been snipered from you know, from, <laughs> from the other end of the ground but taking yeah. lessons from ashley young <laughs> exactly yeah i don't know what what david moyes teaches him on that man united training pitch but um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. He's obviously trying to go for the ball, but you know it's it's difficult when you're in that position, heat at the moment. You you try and because Evera potentially is, is going to be in there, and we know that Evera, or well, later on in the game, we saw that Evera is capable of getting a ball into the box when he found Rooney for the second. But yeah, no, it's, it's a shame that that went in. Do you Strikers think... tackle? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. It's nice to see him back in that area, though. You'd have to say, um, Tony. I'll, I'll come to you for the next question. Do you think that that penalty, when it went one 0 that killed the game, and we didn't really have a chance to get back into it? No, no, I don't. I think what killed us was the second goal, because right. um, when, when once the second goal went in, um, United just went into passing it around us, and mm. you know, making us chase for the ball. They were quite happy to pass it backwards and sideways and every which way there was. Um, but you know, uh, there was there was a bit of time after that first goal went in that we started attacking again. Um, so I don't I don't think we were out of it at all. I think you know if that second goal hadn't gone in, and once again it's a wonder goal that seems to have destroyed us. But you know if that if that second goal hadn't gone in, I could see us attacking and and possibly even nicking one because United would have got nervous with all the stick they've been getting over the last couple of weeks, and and you know it could have gone either way. But it was the second goal that killed us, not the first. Okay, and Stuart, do you agree with that? At one 0 do we still have a chance to get back into the game? Um, based on the first hour, I, I would, I would sadly say no. As I said earlier, I think you know, I, I was disappointed that we didn't, you know, go at them a bit more. Apart from the first ten minutes of the second half, um, you know, where we forced about three or four corners in the first five minutes, I can't remember at any time during the match where, we, where you know, where we really got at them and had a go at them and um, that for me was slightly disappointing and as I said as soon as the penalty went in uh, for me I thought you know the match was over because it you know it, it, it brought new dynamics to the game as well it means we you know I, I honestly think we went out there to get a point and, and the fact that United scored um, you know opened up the game a bit more we had to you know try and attack them and you know it was always likely that we'd either you know end up you know 3-4-1 three, three, or you know, or or two nil, and um, you know, as I say, just just slightly disappointed. That, you know, that we didn't go for it a bit more. Mm. There was one moment we went at them. Go on. <laughs> after the second, after the second goal went in, we went at them, and what happened? Van Persie went down the other end and hit the bar. Oh yeah, that's what yeah. they were worried about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. got I've got the stats in front of me, and. It's kind of it's not really what you'd expect from from a two 0 loss. I mean, we had more shots, fifteen to fourteen. We had more shots on target, six to five. More corners. Possession, admittedly, was very much in in Man United's favour with with sixty six percent. But I mean, looking at those stats there, you'd have to say that if you hadn't watched the game, you'd just seen the stats. You'd think Palace, you know, did have a chance to get back into it, and that was the case when you know Jerome had a chance. Balassi had that shot. There was a, a header in the first half that that mm-hmm. had to be tipped just wide of the post by De Gea and. 
and there were chances for Palace to get into it. And it's, it's disappointing because, like I say, went well, two different opinions there, but at 1-0 and or at 2-0, the game was killed off and, and there wasn't a way back into it. I, mean, I, thought, our, I thought our best chance came right at the end when, when Scott Dan had that header. Mm, when yeah. the ball came. <laughs> I mean, he really should have put that away, to be honest. Yeah. But there you go. It's the story of our season at the moment. I mean, if you look at most, most of the stats, if you look at since Pulis has taken over, we've, we've been absolutely dominated in possession, but we've had more shots on target, more shots off target, and... Yeah, it, you look at the stats and you think, well, wait a minute, we're, we're getting all the shots away, but we're just not having the possession. So, mm. We'll speak a little bit about the second goal now, if you don't mind. Um, it was obviously a, a, a shot of beauty from, from Wayne Rooney, and he's shown that touch of class that, that's warranted him that new £300,000 a year deal. And, you know, that ball, Yanazai, a little flick down, down the left, and then Evera cutting it back inside. And then when that ball came to Rooney, and he hit it. it, it was destined for the top corner. It was an absolutely unbelievable strike, and Julian Speroni couldn't have got anywhere near it. So the question I'd, I'd like to ask you, after the game, um, David Moyes mentioned about how Palace fans will probably be cheering him on in, in three months' time. So, Stuart, do you think that's the case at the World Cup? Are you going to be a, a diff, very different towards Wayne Rooney? Um, I, I, I'm not different towards him anymore. I mean, he's one of my he's, he's one of my favourite players, to be honest. Um, in this country, I'll be cheering him on for England. And I, I was slightly surprised at the treatment that he was getting by by the uh, the fanatics in the corner of the homestyle yesterday. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on there, to be honest, when I saw it on TV. Um, so I, I I don't know what he's done to rub Palace fans up the wrong way, to be honest. But yeah, I, I'm you know I'm a huge Rooney fan. I mean, you know, love him to play for. Yeah. I was actually praying for him to. He swapped shirts with Jonathan Parr at the end. At the end, and I was actually praying for him to put a Palace shirt on and, and take a picture of it. But he didn't. He just tucked it into his shorts. But um, yeah, I mean, no, I've got no problem with Rooney whatsoever. I mean, he, he is without doubt our best striker uh, in in England, um, and you know, worth the admission fee alone to go and watch watch him play and see him score a goal like that. Sadly, it was against us. But no. Um, no idea what the problem was uh, with with some Palace fans. Okay, and Tony, what are your thoughts on, on Wayne Rooney? No, I'm the, I'm I'm the same really. Um, I I think Rooney's a great player, absolutely great player. Um, he had the potential to be one of the best, um, and you know for England he's got the potential still to beat the scoring record. Um, so I'll definitely be cheering him on during the um, World Cup. I mean, let's face it, most other other than your own team, most most football fans come across that you don't like them, and um, unless they're playing for your team, you're not going to like them. Uh, but you know, I, th- I think to turn around and say you don't like Wayne Rooney, um, you know, you, you you can't really, in, in my opinion, it might be controversial, but I think you can't really be a an out and out England uh, international supporter if you don't like Wayne Rooney because he is our best player at the moment. Okay, yeah, I think the the coin throwing instant from the Homestead Fanatics was a bit of a, a blot on a fantastic performance from them. You know, they've put so much effort into making yeah. that display, and, and they get so much credit would before. Just the jump in there and say that's a bit presumptuous to say is a Homestead Fanatic member who threw okay. that coin. It came from Block B. Um, you know, anyone could have been sitting there at the time. So I think as stupid as the coin instant was, I totally agree with you. Mm. Um, I think straight away jumping and saying that it was an HF member is unfair. Sorry okay. to yeah, no, jump in. I just want to no, do it. That's completely fair. Yeah, I mean, obviously, because it comes from, from that, I, I mean, I'm, I've been guilty there of making that assumption, but because it comes from that Block B area, you just automatically assume, you know, they're, they're all in that area that it comes from them. It, as you say, it might not have been, but, but there is still a potential that it was. And I think, you know, Palace, from Palace fans in general, then, if we say not, not just the Homestead Fanatics, if we put them to one side and just say, 
Palace fans in general have been getting so much credit for their support. And then, you know, because of a, a very small minority, i.e. The, the two or three people, I don't know how many people did throw coins, and because Rooney highlighted it, picked the coin up and gave it to the referee, that gets Palace fans some sticks. So, Stuart, what are your thoughts on, on that in general? Um, well, yeah, as I said earlier, it was uh, it was disappointing, and I've, I've you know I've no idea why it it happened. To be honest, it's not as if you know we've got a history with Rooney, or you know he's he he's deliberately winding up the Palace fans. Not at all. I mean, far I know as what I happened. See, oh, go on. Um, I, I think that some of the fans um, in Block B felt that you know he wasn't on enough money, so they were just helping to supplement <laughs> his wages a bit. I saw a tweet actually during the game that said. Uh, that Wayne Rooney's weekly wage this week has now gone up to 300,062 pence. um, Tom, I'm going to come to you if you don't mind and just ask the same sort of question really about about Wayne Rooney. uh, What were your thoughts on on the goal, first of all, and then the the coin-throwing abuse at the other end? I mean, the goal was just fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, I I don't even think he took a touch. I haven't seen it back yet. But I think it didn't even take a touch. It's first-time strike. I mean, when you've got a player who can bring that out of his locker... Um, it's difficult to say anything about I mean obviously it was a goal against us so I'm not happy about it but you've just got to admire the skill um, I mean similar story to his second or Man U second against us away at Old Trafford from the free kick um, bent the ball really well and he, he's a very good player I, I don't really know what more to say than that I'm, I, I don't like him personally in terms of what he how he actually interacts with the media and some of his sort of attitude problems that I've sort of seen with him um, playing games but at the end of the day, he's a very good footballer, and he did what he's paid to do: scored a goal. And, and to be honest, that's you know that's the difference when we play teams like Man United. You know, you can compete with them for you know eighty odd minutes, but you know a, a chance like that that falls to you know Dwight Gale, for example, probably goes over the bar and wide. A chance like that falls to Wayne Rooney, and it's in the back of the net. You know, and, and that is the absolute difference. And that's you know that's what they pay their money for these teams like Man United and. You know, it, you just you just can't compete with that. And um, you know, as much as you know, the effort was there, and you know, what what we wanted to try and get out of the match was there. Um, you can't account for you know, a ball landing to Wayne Rooney and he hitting it like that, and it ended up in the top corner. Okay, well, we'll move on again slightly from we were just speaking about the, the Palace fans and and their slight misdemeanour, but we'll, we'll go over to the Man United fans because. There was a lot said in the week before the game about Eric Cantona and, and the whole incident behind that. We won't go too far into that because, as I said, a lot a lot has been mentioned about that during the week. But the uh, the, the whole Paul Nixon thing, there were some some tweets after the game. Um, well, I say some. I, I saw one tweet um, about Paul Nixon replacing a few letters of his name with, with the two and the zero for the scoreline, and that's just completely out of order. Um, and then in the stadium... Uh, some Eric Cantona flags and some Eric Cantona chants. Um, so, Tony, I'll come to you first. Is that sort of part and parcel of, of the game and you expect that from supporters or is that completely out of order? Both, really. I think it, it is part of what football, you know, it's it's the banter that fans give and sometimes it does go over the top, but it doesn't excuse it at all. It's completely out of order and, uh, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be said, really. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those sore subjects that, you know, you don't talk about. Um, in my opinion it's the same as you know United fans with Munich or Liverpool fans with Hillsborough it's just an area you don't go to you, you, you know if, if somebody's lost their life you, you don't you know make a joke on their expense um, it's I, I, I can't really say too much more on it other than that really I just think it was very wrong 
Okay. And sure, did you experience any? Obviously, maybe you heard some chants or yeah. I mean, I just echo what Anthony says. Really, you know that you know it's it's all part of the game having some, you know, some banter between set of fans. But when it comes to you know someone losing their life, you know, it's where it stops. Really, isn't it? It's not funny. It's not anything. It's just it's just ridiculous and cruel and just moronic. Um, you know, to to take it that far and. You know, I can't can't really say much more about it. It's it, it's pathetic. Okay, and we'll come to you, Tom, for your thoughts first of all on on that Eric Cantona stuff, and then a couple of tweets if you don't mind. I'm going to be very reserved with what I say because I fear a major rant coming on. Um, I had the privilege for this game of coming into it uh, from Camden Townway, and as I came into London Bridge, there was quite a few Man United fans coming in wearing said Cantona masks and the uh, the sort of chants and stuff they were singing were, in my opinion, completely unacceptable. Um, I think the stuff that's been on Twitter, especially the tweet from the red fanzine that's been taken down, was completely classless. Um, and there's been a, quite a bit of hypocrisy with Man United fans compared to previous occasions where they have sort of cried foul on other incidents that have been touched on before, uh, which I won't go into mention now. Um, but I've, all this all this week has really served to me show is the hypocrisy of football fans and just generally enforced my view of how much I dislike Man United fans. They are a vile bunch. Not all of them, I'm sure there's some very nice ones, but the, the majority I've sort of had the displeasure to see speaking this week have shown they are, they are a hypocritical, ignorant and probably stupid to bunch just to come up with the sort of opinions they have. Um, so I've, I've not been best pleased. It's left a very sour taste in my mouth. Um, and anyone who has sort of reacted in that way, you know, that sort of thinks that a man's life is, or loss of life is, is funny or a, a topic that can be used to, to make fun of is, uh, is clearly a sick and twisted individual and someone I don't want to see in my club or uh, at a football match in general. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go on. Um, do you think we're just as bad with the chance we're making at Moise's daughter? Yeah, I was going to bring that point up, actually. I mean... Obviously, this is a big difference between, you know, tweeting about something that's probably not true and, and you know, the, the taking of someone's life at, a few years ago. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think they are very different. But, I mean, I, la- I laughed. They're at different. The, yeah, I laughed at the tweets about, about Lauren Moyes, though, because they are, that's probably not true. And I don't, I might be wrong in, in my view that, you know, that that is acceptable. But I think there's just such a, a big difference between between the two incidents, really. What it's, are your it's, thoughts on it? It's, it's a fine line, I think, um, between what's right and what's wrong and, and what's funny and what's not. I mean, the loss of life, you know, just isn't funny whatsoever. Um, you know, songs about David Moyes' daughter and, you know, Will Zaha, it's 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 a little bit banter. And it's not very nice for David Moyes, obviously. But, you know, that that's part, part, part of, I don't know what that noise is. Can anyone else hear that noise? Yeah, that's, uh, that's coming from the belt B. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, that's put me off there. But um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I remember when Man City came down to us when um, when the news all came out about Harold Shipman and you know the loss of life that he's um, you know he took. You know, one of our charts was did the doctor kill kill, kill your mum and things like that. And so you know we all do it, and I, I get what Tom's saying about the, the hypocrisy of Manchester United fans. And you know, you know, they're, they're the first to complain when the Leeds fans chant about Bayern Munich uh, when they chant about Munich. Um, so it's 
it's it's it's it's a fine line i think it's wrong when it involves loss of life anything else i think is probably you know acceptable all part of the banter and and football people people who are involved in football expect things like that and it's probably water off a duck's back but when it's you know when it's when it's loss of life that that is just completely different okay and then tom your your point on that um no i just think oh obviously Stuart was playing or Tony was playing devil's advocate at the beginning uh, asking that question I think um, pretty much agree with Stuart completely there I think all fans have probably at the past done things they regret as I wasn't aware of the sort of shipping stuff but I'm not surprised to find out that Palace fans have, have done something similar in the past but I think at some point someone's got to sort of stand up and say no nah, that's not acceptable and sort of it's, I suppose it's a culture change across the terraces isn't it that's, that's going to happen over time um, I, I agree there's, there's a place for banter but there really is a, a clear line in the sand, and I, I think some of the stuff that happened yesterday was so far over it. I mean, especially the uh, the singing through the minute silence. I, I don't know what the song actually was, but I just found that completely disrespectful. If it had been a uh, it's like the minute silence for someone, uh, Man United here and like George Best, I can see them being completely up in arms. I mean, I know Tom Finney, uh, so I'm pronouncing his name wrong there. I didn't have, really have any sort of connection with the club, but he was an England international. Um, I just think, you know, as you asked to give us all a minute to respect someone, it doesn't take that long to do it. Uh, I, so I'm trying to choose my words very carefully because I have very strong feelings about this. But, uh, yeah. I What's very odd? The, you didn't know whether it was a minute's silence or a minute's applause. Yeah. It was, <laughs> at, the, it was, at, at the end of the day, it's common decency, isn't it? You know? And, and anyone who can't acknowledge a minute's silence or a minute's applause or whatever it is, for, you know, for someone who, who did great in the game, you know football, um, and if it was, you know, if it wasn't for people like him, we wouldn't have the beautiful game as it is now. I suppose, and you, you know, if you can't acknowledge that, then you know, for me, it, it, it's just moronic, really. And with with very few brain cells. Well, as as I said earlier, I mean that that sort of epitomises how I feel after the events of this week. Um, as I say, there might be some genuinely lovely Man United fans out there, but. On the whole, the ones I've sort of had the mispleasure of seeing tweet or speak to or interact with this week, they have just been classness, hypocritical, um, morons. So uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, to be fair, most of the Man United fans have never been to football matches. So they don't know what a minute's applause or silence is. <laughs> Very good point. Right. OK, we're going to move on slightly from that point. Um, I'm going to read a few four-way reviews from the game and then a couple more talking points and, and then we'll start wrapping it up for this week. But, yeah, so I'll go to the, the four-way reviews now. Chaz on Twitter has said, through coins, through game. Jason Rourke says, a fantastic team effort. Adam Brooker says, a fat, greedy bastard. Simon Pronger says, Jedi, stop losing ball. He, should, he nearly said, stop losing the ball, I imagine, but he had to take out because it was the fifth word and said, Jedi, stop losing ball. Uh, Ian Lyons says, time to change formation. Dean Miles says, Penn changed the game. Charlie Gillett, still above relegation zone. Danny Hoskin says, keep the faith, people. Paul Kensley, frustrating game to watch. And then a couple more. One from our very own Tony Pierce. Glenn Murray is back. Chris he White. is, he's back. <laughs> Chris White says, loud and proud palace. And then the last one to, to take us to our final sort of point on the, the show today is from Justin Granger. And he says, Pa got Wayne's shirt. And I wanna, that's something I wanted to speak about. Um, and it's not something I particularly like, um, is that watching the game back uh, on, on Sky Sports, as soon as the final whistle goes, within about <laughs> sort of three or four seconds, Johnny Parr is, is next to Wayne Rooney asking for a shirt. And I just think I 
he's probably in awe of the player, but that puts such a bad message message across because you know it is for the final five minutes of the game. Going right, okay, we've got a few minutes left. I just I just play sort of near Wayne Rooney, and then when the whistle goes, I can I can get straight over there. If he's in awe of a player, surely he's not playing to his full capabilities. I don't know if 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 you boys agree with that, but it puts across you know that we're still in awe of being in the Premier League and that we're not we don't mean to be here. You know we're not meant to to be in this league and I just think it's it's silly for, for players to be running over to, to other opposition players at the end of the game and, and asking for their shirt straight away. Tom, your point on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, I think you could have heroes in football even as a player or players that you look up to but uh, as you say, running over as, as soon as that, it does sort of smack of a sort of starstruck yeah. mentality. Um, I think I don't know if it was if it was Tony Pulis who mentioned this or one of our previous managers like Holloway. But I'm sure one of the Palace managers in recent times commented on trying to stamp this out and that how it was it led to this sort of losing mentality of you know that almost you, you don't belong there. I mean we've got promoted by hook or by crook. We're doing all right at the moment. We're out of the bottom three, so we shouldn't be giving that much respect to them. Um, so I think yeah, uh, it's at the end of the day. I suppose it's it doesn't really matter because the game's over, but. As you say, it's, it's a sort of psychological aspect that we, we should be sort of trying to look at, to capture. Okay, and Tony, your, your view on that? I think Johnny's wanted to see what a £60 million shirt felt like. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, you know, the, the boy doesn't know whether he's going to be, you know, there again. Um, you know, as much as we all believe we're going to stay up, you know, there's always that chance that we might not. Um, I, I think I can under, I can understand obviously the idea of him sort of trying to play near him to get a shirt. That's bad, but I think once the final whistle's gone, if he's went and got the shirt, you know, leave him to it. I mean, they're they're only human at the end of the day, and you know, Wayne Rooney is as we mentioned earlier, he's he's a star England player, and um, you know, if the, if if, the, if he's got a bit starstruck because of it, um, let him do it. Just as long as he doesn't do it next season when we play them again. Do you, do you agree with that? Um, yeah, sort of. I mean, you know, you don't know what he did with it when he got the shirt. You never know. He might went in the dressing room and pissed all over it. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But <laughs> unlikely, I know. But it'd be, be nice to know that he did. Um, it's it's like like I said earlier. I just I thought the whole you know the whole setup of yesterday was that you know we gave him too much respect, and and I, I suppose that epitomised it right right at the final whistle. But you know it, it's. it's you know, I thought it at the, at the time when I saw it on TV. I thought, oh, he's a bit too quick to get over to Rooney to get his shirt. But at the end of the day, having thought about it, you know, to me, it's not that much of a problem. If, you know, if he idolises Rooney, and, and let's face it, a lot of people do, whether you're a professional footballer or not, then it's, you know, it's, 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 I think it's, it's okay for him to, to take that home and, and treasure it for years to come. You know, it's not necessarily a thing for him that he wants now, but maybe something that he wants in. 30 years' time when he looks back at his football career and said, oh, yeah, I played on the same pitch as, you know, that World Cup winner, Wayne Rooney. <laughs> I have a question. If, um, if for some miraculous reason, and it's probably never going to happen, we played Barcelona, would you, would, you, um, would you give him the same stick if he wanted to get a Messi shirt? If it's about three seconds after the final whistle, then yes, I think it's the, it's the same sort of thing. If you're out there being starstruck, are you playing to the best of your ability? I mean... It, it, as I said before, it just gives the impression that that we're we're sort of starstruck to be there. We we think we're below that league and, and we're in awe of the players that we're playing against. And I don't think you can you can be fully concentrating on on your game if you're 
at the end of the sort of last five minutes, making sure you're near a player to to get a shirt at the end. I don't. I'm not saying that Johnny Parr did that, and he probably was just just happened to. I mean, he's playing left back, and and Wayne Rooney's up top, so you know he, he probably is going to be near him anyway. But you know, I played all Johnny Parr. Huh? I think he played all right, Johnny Parr, over the match. I've got to say, we didn't actually mention either of the um, fullbacks today, but mm. I think they both played both played their part. Yeah, that was going to be a point I was, I was going to make, but I, I did forget about it earlier. Johnny Parr obviously was injured at the start of the season. Do you do you feel now that he's made that position his own? And that because obviously we have Moxie there and we've had Joe Ledley there for a game. Do you think Johnny Parr is going to be the, the permanent left back for the rest of the season? Yeah, yeah, I think I think. I think he is prone to a mistake, but the one thing I think Johnny Parr's got, which is very good, is he's very he recovers very quickly, um, and he he does get forward quite well. Um, I think this season he's got forward better than he did last season, um, and therefore, yeah, I think I think a lot of people. I mean, I've had some people saying about putting Joe Ledley uh, back in left back because he's he's a bit more sound there, but. I think Joe Ledley is is better for us as a club and on the, on the pitch. I think he's better as a midfielder. I think we benefit from his skills more there. And I think you know, it, I don't think Joe Ledley is that much a better left back than Johnny Parr than having Joe Ledley in the middle. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Stuart, would you agree about Tony, uh, about Johnny Parr? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, he's he's a good left back. I think it's certainly a position that we're going to make. You know, if we stay up this year, that. Uh, Pulis is going to be looking at in the summer. I don't think he's he's totally convinced by Parr. I don't think obviously he's you know I think he probably has issues with Moxie. And Moxie could be the one to go in the summer, um, but I think he will probably bring some competition in in the summer with Parr. I think. Okay, brilliant. Right, well, uh, Tom, we're going to come to you just quickly for some final tweets to to wrap up the show, and then one last point, and then we'll we'll let everybody go. Yep, um, we've had a few tweets about different subjects tonight. Um, we've had Rickers talking about uh, the chanting at football matches. He's saying that the uh, sort of unacceptable chanting happens a lot of football nowadays, and the uh, people at the back of Block B who were chanting sort of stuff for David Moyes' lot were just the, just the latest. But um, we also had uh, Alan Russell commenting on Chamac's tackle. He said, unfortunately, it was a careless, clumsy, and unnecessary one. Um, again, talking about the coin throw incident, we've got Albert Kelly, uh, Holmes Rowdows Albert, saying that he thought it was stupid. Block B can't whinge about harassment if incidents like this happen. They need to self-police. And uh, I think that's I think that's been the majority of you, really. Yeah? Um, and finally, we think we've had our Chris Hambling saying that... Um, no, that's it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Hamblin has a lot. He, 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 start, he started yeah. tweeting, and then I think he probably started drinking, so that doesn't <laughs> really make sense. So, yeah. Okay. No worries. Where right. is he well, today, uh, anyway? He's hungover. He's lying lying on his living room floor. floor hungover. That's literally why he's not on. Yeah, he's hungover. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. So, uh, one final question, and then uh, and then that's it. So, I'll just ask you boys. Overall, looking back at yesterday's performance um, and having seen the game. Do you think that the two 0 flattered Manchester United? I know you're disappointed not to get anything out of the game. Um, and do you think that, that if we, we, you know, if we went back, we'd we could get something out of the game? So uh, I'll ask Tony first. I think there was a class difference. Um, you know, we it might have been a match we possibly could have got something out of. I don't think the scoreline necessarily flattered them because um, I don't think we created uh, enough, and our finishing isn't good enough to. Um, to say otherwise, and and their goals, you know, they they could have had more. I mean, if if Vidic had not put his header over the bar, and if um, uh, Van Persie hadn't hit the hit the bar, um, it could have been even more. So I, I think two 0 on reflection 
possibly i think yeah i think it's probably about right uh 2-1 probably would have been a bit better but i think yeah it didn't flatter them as such okay sure um yeah i mean i mean i think the 2-0 was a fair scoreline um i think that you know they they, they dominated dominated us in all areas of the pitch um as i said genuinely before the match i thought you know if we had a go at them we could get something out of the match and uh, you know as i said i was disappointed that we didn't do that to 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 to, a, to maximum effect let's say i'm mean, not not saying we didn't have a go but i i think we could have done more in that and we just gave him a little bit too much respect and in the end um you know i thought 2-0 was a, a fair line and yeah they and they they were worthy winners sadly okay that's all from us tonight then. Obviously the the players next weekend, next Sunday, off to South Wales to play Swansea in a, a massive game down there. Um, so hopefully a, a few people will be off there to, to support the team. So thank you very much for listening. Um, get your friends involved, get everyone listening. And uh, on the show next week is, uh, is me, Stuart, Tony and Alex. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Well done. It is a cheese slicer. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.